Ladies and gentlemen of the world, people of the internet, wherever you are, whenever you are, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Rex Reviews Podcast, the show where we discuss God, guns, and rock and roll. My name is Lou McCoy and it's my sincere pleasure and privilege and honor to be with you once again and of course by my side I've got the legendary Tiborosaurus Rex. Hi, howdy guys, how you doing out there in listener land today? Good to be here. Yes it is and we are... Touring the world. We're on our world tour here. We're on adventure mode, Lou. And an adventure it has been. So far, it's been pretty incredible, ma'am. And we are in good company today, sir. Yeah, yeah. On our journey here, we got to see the Elk Ridge Brewery, also known as the Wallow. And uh, we stopped in and, man, it was pretty cool. It is. And it is our privilege to have Pastor Caleb with us. The pastor with a pub. (laughs) Don't call me pastor, right? I'm just Caleb. You're pretty casual about the whole religion thing, aren't you, sir? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, casual in a sense, um, very serious in another sense, but yeah, casual in the sense of I'm not religious, but in the sense of uh, my spiritual life, it's the most important thing about my life. Yes, sir. You don't like to play the religion game, Caleb? I'm not big on the religion game. Why not? What's the matter? You don't I mean, like jumping through the flaming hoops with us guys? <laughs> I don't think you jumped through the flaming hoops there, Mr. Rex. <laughs> Unless you lit the hoop on fire to begin with. Yeah, it'd make a good video, man. <laughs> or the hoop is exploding, then you'd be lumping through it. Yeah. The Tannerite hoop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got we got to meet him today and hang out for quite a while and we visited. And uh, you know what? Once you start visiting at a place like that, you really probably shouldn't just keep driving down the road for too long. <laughs> Uh, So we did hang out a little more and got to visit in depth and have uh, some good discussions. And uh, so uh, he actually was uh, helping us find a place to kind of rest our heads. And um, here we are sitting here chilling with Mr. Caleb. The Brewing Company is an interesting venture for a spiritual person such as yourself, Caleb. It's not the typical setup one would picture. I think it's interesting and it's unusual for someone in my position in the United States, but I don't think, I don't think in terms of biblically, I don't think it should be so unusual. I think it's probably unusual uh, for religious tradition in the United States, but you know, even like today, one of the, one of the beers that, that Rex was really enjoying down there at the brewery was the Belgian Trappel, and that's a Trappist ale. You know, the monasteries and the Trappist monasteries in Belgium, they've been brewing that ale for years and years and years and serve it in their monasteries in order to uh, fund their their monasteries in part. So, you know, I think it's a it's maybe a uh, odd tradition for a person in my position in the United States. So is that kind of a Puritan thing? Is that what came over from England when? uh... No, the Puritans were uh, the Puritans drank ale. Well, they couldn't the drink. The Puritans drank they, ale? They couldn't drink water. That's not what I was told, man. Oh, absolutely. They drank ale. They had buckles yeah. on their shoes and on their hats, bro. Yeah. And they had <laughs> ale in their bellies. I can tell you that. <laughs> yep. He makes a good sales pitch. Yeah. Absolutely. I bought into it for a while there. It's all right. <laughs> but the brews are incredible that you do there. The, Thank uh, you. You tried them all today, didn't you, Rex? Yeah, we went through the whole deal, and uh, we'll be releasing a, a review on that, actually. Uh, we got to sit down with the uh, the brewer, uh, Mr. Kurt, 
And he's a pretty smart guy. It's interesting. A lot of these different places you'll stop at, you'll see dudes who really get into it in terms of the culture of being a brewer guy. And the mo- it's kind of a trendy thing, too, nowadays to do that. Uh, so it seems like when you find an outfit where there's actually guys who pay attention to detail and actually want to strive for excellence and also have the work ethic and the tenacity to do the full research, to study the water profiles, to look at all the different details in each brew and pour the heart and soul into it. It's different than some of the other outfits where the guy maybe just wants to, you know, uh, be cool, but maybe not necessarily strive to get the best beer. Just uh, get his picture on a beer bottle somewhere. (laughs) Hey, we should put... Dude. Hey, we should have a special commemorative. It wouldn't be very good, though. I don't have the patience to do it properly. A Rex brew? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Ooh, what flavor? The last thing of... I need to do is have a, a brewery within reach of, <laughs> of my house. <laughs> my question is, what kind of beer would that be? Ooh, Ooh. good question. I actually do like the Trapel. I like uh, the Belgian Trappist Ales. I'm a sucker for those. But I also do like... Um, like Brown ales. I I'm, I'm, I have like a dynamic palate, I suppose, when it comes to that. If it's a good beer, I like it. I don't. I'm not a hops guy. Um, and Caleb, or, he seemed pretty fond of the of the Scottish today. Yes, uh, yeah. in, in the last couple of years, the Scottish ales, like the Reds and stuff like that, have been a thing that I've like. The Killians is kind of where I started, which is kind of a you know more ubiquitous kind of brand that you can find anywhere. And uh, some of the other stuff, like there's a dirty bastard Scottish ale that's uh, from Founders, I believe, out of Utah. <laughs> and some of those are pretty good. And But this one actually was, um, it didn't have that uh, stinging kind of sour, or what do you call it? Like a, what's that? Um, well, you know, and a, a Scottish ale is different than a red, red ale is more of an Irish thing. But uh, a Scottish ale usually has a nice caramel profile, little smoky. That's maybe. what it is, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, it didn't have that poison flavor to it like some of the other ones have. Uh, but this one was actually pretty good. That would be good. called Bud Light. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so, Caleb, it's a unique position because you're a fisher of men and you're in a location where guys come in to see you organically. And that gives you a unique advantage as an ambassador of the Lord. Absolutely. And, you know, our, our brewery. Uh, if you ever come to our brewery, you're you're gonna see all these elk mounts and all these different mounts in there. A lot of rustic wood and uh, and then beer and you know it's just a great place. Especially, it's a great place for guys to hang out. I mean, the women love it. My wife loves it, but guys in particular, I jokingly say I made a a man cave for every guy that couldn't have a man cave in town and uh and it's nice because they they love to just come and hang out it's a it's a place that feels really easy and comfortable and there's no nothing threatening you know the the people that'll come in there are people that may never ever feel comfortable enough to darken the door of a church you know and as as a as a pastor i uh i could sit in my church all day long hoping people would come to me to mm-hmm. speak to me and it'll never happen you know if if i don't get out there and put myself in positions strategically put myself in positions where i'm going to rub shoulders with people that quite possibly would have no other you know real reason to have contact with someone in my position 
Uh, if I don't put myself in that position, it's just not going to happen. And one of the things that really led me to kind of think about this, when I first moved to this community, I met with a bunch of other pastors in town for a ministerial association meeting, and, and we were jokingly you know, talking around the table. We had breakfast together, and, and everybody was talking about you know, where would Jesus be if he came to our town, you know? And of course, jokingly, they were, <laughs> they were saying how, you know, he'd be at our church for this reason, or he'd be at our church for this reason. It was all a bunch of pastors joking around, which may be lame or not. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I didn't say anything. And after a while, one of the guys noticed that I didn't say anything. And they asked me, I said, well, Caleb, where do you think he'd be? And I said, I think he'd be in the bars. And dead quiet i mean you could have heard crickets you know were they thinking about stuff then caleb oh i think they were did they ever read the bible i think they were thinking i was a little crazy is what i think they know in the new testament man it seems like that's kind of where you actually did hang out a lot was normal people's houses absolutely uh, hanging out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and you know with all the normal folk trying to you know help people out who needed help man yeah and all the other guys got everything squared away they don't need no help dude in the case of Matthew, they're, he's actually hanging out at a wild party, you know, and the Pharisees were all uh, up and up in arms because he was hanging out with Matthew and Matthew had a party after Jesus called him to be his disciple. Matthew's way of celebration was basically holding a kegger, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, and the Pharisees were scandalized by that, you know, and so anyway, all these pastors, they said that and then afterwards when I was leaving the the restaurant, a couple of them came up to me and said, Caleb, you know what? You're exactly right. And then one of them said, why aren't we in the bars? And I said, why indeed? That's an excellent question. Why aren't we in the bars? And so we actually started going down to the bars and, and, uh, it was just. So when you, when you guys walk into the bar, uh, being the pastors, is there like dead silence or what? How does that go down? You know, the way I remember it, I'm sure it wasn't. Uh, it's been years ago, and the way I remember it, maybe it's gotten richer with the with the years. But uh, it's kind of remembered as the bat wing doors swing open. You hear, you know, wee 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 wah wah wah. You know, and we walk in, it's dead quiet. And, but I don't think it was really that way. But. Uh, we definitely had some looks, and definitely people were kind of rubbernecking when we walked in, and we went and sat They must down be and, here to do an intervention on yeah, everybody. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're waiting for it, man. We're here to round them up. <laughs> <laughs> but we went out and sat down at the table, and pretty soon uh, one of the waitresses came over and asked us what we wanted, and we all ordered a beer, and then suddenly it was like everybody breathed a big sigh of relief, and you know, and uh, we had a, had a great time, met a lot of people, and eventually I, I've always thought, you know, one of these days I want to own a place where I have control of the the setting and the atmosphere, uh, the conversation, yeah, the spirit, yeah, exactly. uh, the vibe, exactly. And so uh, a brewery really fit. A brewery really isn't a bar. It isn't the same thing. You know, you don't serve hard liquor or anything like that. And and because of the laws in the state that we're in, uh, you you can't you can't serve more than three. So nobody's nobody's getting drunk in a in a brewery. Unless and they're very they're, unless they're family. a hardcore lightweight. Right, right. And the you know the the they're very family friendly. You got a lot of kids running around. 
playing games and hanging out with her family. And so it's how, a nice environment. And how long has the Elk Ridge Brewing Company been open? We opened June 9th of 2017. So not very long, less so, than a year so far. That's incredible. Yeah. And yeah. it's just pristine in there from the bar top up front, which is a heck of a story in itself. Yeah. Uh, all the way back to the brewery where we got to tour. It's just immaculate. The whole place Thank is you. spotless and it's comfortable. It's cozy. The fireplace in there, the mounts up on the wall. Yeah. It's it's a man cave for every man. It right, really exactly. is. That's what we wanted. That's what we were going for. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Mission accomplished. Sarah. Excellent. Well, no, I think it's a good point that he brings up earlier about, you know, if you're a fisherman, you got to go where the fish are. You can't just sit there and pout because you know, the fish didn't come by you. So you got to move the boat around a little bit sometimes. And I think God equips everyone. You know, I this is just my personal theory hypothesis. Uh, everyone has a certain set of connections and skill sets and life experience when they come into the fold that they can bring to the table as potential uh, tools to accomplish the mission, right? As everyone defects over back over to God's table at some point, they bring all this experience with them and to waste that and to just discard it, I think, is sometimes a shame because there's so many opportunities that we all have. Whether, uh, you know, we, we played the guitar at one time as a rock and roll musician or whatever, you can maybe convert that and play, you know, guitar for, on some clean songs and try to get some someone's attention and communicate a, a more profound point. Or if uh, maybe you're, you know, a motorcycle guy and you're in a motorcycle gang, maybe you can start a different one and kind of win people over that way. Or, I mean, there, there's a million different dudes in different uh, categories of enthusiasm and, uh, I think that uh, just being real and not having really Babylon shave us down, you know, like we talked about before, uh, in terms of making us just bricks that they can stack upon each other, like just being who we're born to be, man, and just loving people is kind of the key on most of that stuff. The details do sort themselves out. Well, and you know, one of the things that comes to my mind when you were saying that is that uh, God's word says that he'll cause all things to work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, either the Bible really means what it says when it says he'll cause all things to work together for good, or it doesn't. And I think all means all. And, you know, even even the bad things in our lives, God can take those when we realize he loves us, when we realize that we're called for his purpose, he can take even the the crappy things about our lives and he can turn them around and he can use them in amazing ways to reach other people with his love, which that's the whole purpose. And, you know, I think, uh, I think sometimes we, we want to put God in a box. And one of the things I've learned in my life is he doesn't fit very well in a box. He tends to <laughs> blow your box apart. He does so. like whatever he wants. Man. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And another thing, too, that we talk about and preach and rant on the show about is like the modern dynamic of human relationships and how they hang out or the lack thereof is kind of a problem, I think, and is why we've gotten down this kind of cold path that we're on. And just creating excuses for people to just get together is kind of re 
acquiring our humanity again to where we can even have communication. Like, because otherwise people are just going to be sitting there feeding themselves digitally all day Mm -hmm. and they'll never interact with another human. That's what the matrix wants people to do. You know, we use that as a metaphor. Uh, But if we're just plugged into reality TV all day and we're living vicariously through fictional characters projected by some evil guys over in Hollywood someplace, (laughs) you know, it's like you're burning your wheels in the air and nothing's ever touched the ground. And there's like a huge amount of value to living on the earth is the reason why God didn't just come and blow everything up and take his dudes out of here yet is because we're supposed to hang out with each other and talk about stuff and kind of square stuff away, compare notes, have relationships, build relationships, you know, all this good stuff, man. So it's just like the basic stuff you never thought maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago you'd have to explain to people is stuff that is kind of a new thought of like, wow, here's an excuse for people to get together and discuss something that's actually important and reclaiming America through barbecues and breweries or whatever you got to do might be one of them, you know, pivotal moments potentially in helping at least a few folks get uh, back on path with being a human. Well, and that whole idea that you're talking about there is, is really gets at the core of what God's all about, which is relationship. He wants relationship with us. He wants us to have relationship with each other. And, you know, the the brewery really, in the end, is an excuse to have a relationship. And, you know, I've, I've connected. I know what it is. I know exactly what you're doing. You're, you're stealth mode. It's they're actually a church. They just don't know it. It's sneaky. It's very sneaky, Caleb. Yeah, they're at church, but they don't know it yet. <laughs> just sneaking yeah. them in there, man. You know, I, 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 I honestly, I'm pretty, uh, pretty... Uh, overt about my sneakiness, I'm afraid. Sure, pretty sure. Much, be, people are pretty aware of. But as know, long as they get some beer to calm them down, they can maybe handle some <laughs> more. <laughs> you know, and the cool thing is, you have people that are are. You know, it's like if you ever watch that show Cheers, you have the same people, and they come in same time, and you develop the relationships just like they did on that show. You know, where you see these people every week and sometimes several times during the week and after a while it just kind of becomes like you're a part of their extended family because Mm -hmm. they see you all the time you know and instead of you being somebody who's uh a religious professional in an office somewhere in a in a church where they use it once a week instead you're behind a bar serving them a craft beer uh, and they see you three or four times a week and they'll sit and talk to you about you know all kinds of different things that come up and and it's not just it's not just about having uh you know trying to shove god down their throat I, yeah I you're never, not there to never preach at no, you're there to have a legitimate to build a relationship uh, yeah, relationship yeah. with folks yeah. yeah and then then it oftentimes leads to interesting conversations with people about about god where they're at spiritually what's going on in their life especially when people are hurting and you know now they've trust you they've connected to you in an entirely different environment and so here's an observation too man let me bounce this off of you one thing i've noticed too is that in my life a lot of the folks who i thought i was going to go out and kind of help and do this stuff i actually learned more about myself or my own condition or even they've taught me every bit as much or more stuff than I thought it would be too. So that's the cool thing about just having the open mind and and really unlocking the hearts like generosity to want to have a, a real relationship. 
where it's not a one-way relationship, which unfortunately a lot of religion has degenerated into, yes. which is a reason why a lot of people leave the churches and go straight for the bar because they <laughs> sure. want to actually have a relationship. They don't want to just get sure. projected at by some guy at the robe or whatever. You know, that's not what they're... A lot of folks ain't into that deal. And for the ones that actually want to bounce ideas off of other people, I mean, the, the body of believers or the body of whoever, right, they... Most naturally, I mean, humans are social creatures, and uh, in groups they socialize, and they're the reason that's why we have gotten so far too. If you think about it, is we've collected experience because we communicated with each other, mm-hmm. and through those communications, you can build spaceships and like strategic air commands, and uh, you know, like train stations and societies and all this stuff, and uh, you know, a more profound understanding of the dynamics of. Everything, including spiritual matters, philosophical matters, intellectual stuff, education, everything happens because people communicate. And if, if, there's, if it's dormant, it needs to be invigorated by the most basic human strongholds, which is creating a comfortable place, which is the objective of having an atmosphere that's nice. But also part of that comfort, some people find comfort and you get a lot of calories and you sit down and enjoy a meal together, sure. break bread together, have a brewski together. People connect like that. That's just normal behavior. And so when you can establish true comfort and make them comfortable, uh, then really magical things can actually happen. And if there's people there who are that candle, you know, Jesus said, like, like so you got a candle, that's great. But if you put it next to the sun that's already shining, it's like kind of, eh, you don't even notice there. But if the candle goes in a dim spot, you can really shed some cool light on there. So, And you don't hide the candle, right? There's so many candles hidden in a church basement someplace with all the, with all the windows closed. And no one's allowed to look out the window even, you know what I mean? So it's just like one of them deals to where if I think Christianity would go out or any different groups with good ideas like that would go out and actually engage in the world... It'd be a lot different. You know, and and it even goes a step further, I'd say, Rex, and that is, you know, you, you were talking about communication and how important communication is, and it's not to preach at them. And I think I think the I think oftentimes the church does go out, but they go out to preach at them. And mm-hmm. there's a big difference between preaching at somebody and communicating. And the, the difference is listening. You know, one of the things I that I heard from from people you know that just not religious people but people that were outside of uh christianity is they go to a bar and lou you you have experience with this um they talk to the bartender why because you're a neutral person that they're willing to confide in and you listen yeah, exactly. People want to be heard. They want you to listen to them. And the the biggest part of communication that I think so many Christians miss is shutting their mouth and listening. You know, it's it's of course we want to share the gospel and that's important, but when all you're doing is talking, 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 suddenly the other person feels like a project. They don't feel loved, they don't feel appreciated, they don't feel yeah. like you know, like you really want a relationship with them. They feel like you've got an objective and they are your objective. You're projecting your superiority, but at the same time, it's not an effective strategy, dude. There's a lot more math problems than just one. 
So like, the answer to the problem is four. The answer to the problem is four. We need to preach the word. What if they're on a different math problem than you, bro? They might not even, you know, you've got to ask the question, like, what is the, what's the question here? And everyone's not just a clone. Everyone's got unique circumstances and problems and situations. It's imperative in problem solving to know what the specific problem is, man. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things I've learned just by watching is if, you know, being behind the bar is I've learned the value of just asking questions, listening, paying attention. You know, sometimes, sometimes they aren't even talking to you. Sometimes they're talking to each other and then they include you in the conversation, you know, and you're just, you're just listening. You're just there. You're not, you're not trying to accomplish any big objective and suddenly you're just brought into the fold in in such a natural way that like you say, everybody's comfortable with it. And they don't feel like there's any uh, any hidden agendas because well, the is, cool thing is there is authenticity, man. Yeah, exactly. It's actually projecting it's authenticity into the culture of like, okay, I'm a guy, I love Jesus. Guess what? I'm going to hang out with people. Right. And it's not like there's an agenda even there. It's just no. that you just want to be around people naturally because it's cool and we've got a heart for people and you want to love them and stuff and you go hang around them and if you can help them that's awesome if if they can help you or if they just want to have a good time or visit or whatever it's just uh you know part of the community man i have a mindset too of it's god that does the work you know philippians 2 13 says it's god who works in you both to will and to act according to his good pleasure now unfortunately we get all mixed up on that and we think we're the one that has to do the work. We're the one that has to change our motives, change our actions. We're the one that has to do the work to, you know, bring somebody in the kingdom of God. No, we don't. Mm. If we're just, if we're patient, we have faith in God. We have faith in his heart and his love for people. And we'll just shut up and listen. (laughs) God will open doorways up for you to share if you just have the faith to make yourself available and if you have the faith to put yourself in in circumstances and in places where you may be uncomfortable where maybe other christians are going to look down on you or look askance at you you know uh they're i had a christian friend of mine say well you're going to tarnish your reputation i reminded him you know jesus made himself of no reputation to hang out with me so, you know, I think it's, uh, I think when we have that mindset of, uh, I don't do the work, it's God that does the work. All I got to do is show up. All I got to do is be there. And I think sometimes we put so much of it on ourselves and we put so much of our, it on ourselves in pressure. And I think that's a, that's a religious thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's man trying to do the work and instead of believing that it's God that builds the altar not us and he can build it exactly how he wants to with exactly the material he wants to use so exactly man and so it's a it's a cool environment man i I really got a kick out of it it's uh it's interesting how you can really set the pace just by some subtle things even just attitude you know and uh and steering that's like a subtle craft that's important to learn but the attitude in there was very positive we really enjoyed getting to check out the uh, elk ridge brewery so if you ever get through western montana there's a small town called deer lodge 
and you can stop in there and at least check it out. Well, I appreciate that, Rex. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed the environment and appreciated why we're there and what we're all about. And, you know, it's it's nice sometimes to, to hear from uh, others like yourselves that they get it, they understand. It's uh, sometimes you get religious folks can get pretty negative on on things like this that don't fit inside their neat little religious box and <laughs> so it's encouraging just sit back with you guys and and hear your take on it and hear that you get it you understand and uh i appreciate that uh, you know it's encouraging to to me to hear that that you enjoyed the experience and then also you see the point you understand where we're coming from so. yeah and it's not that difficult to figure out either guys but you're just being truthful you're being genuine and authentic and it's not like you're trying to pull any strings on anybody or flip any tricks on somebody you're just being honest and that's all that it's about that's life and relationships and it's just a beautiful thing when you see it come to fruition like that and uh you surround yourselves with a quality team and you can make dreams come true and that's that's no bullcrap folks you just said there, Caleb, the Christians, they come in and certain things don't fit into their preconceived boxes of religion that they've mm-hmm. been indoctrinated into. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you've seen along your career path that just really don't fit into the box, but people try to cram them in there anyway? <laughs> Man, there's a lot of things that get crammed into that box. <laughs> wow. We could be here all day on that one. We got time. You know, the... the interesting thing is i grew up in wyoming and uh grew up in a very straight laced you know religious church experience and there were things you know there was a laundry list of things that christians didn't do or did do that really had nothing to do with scripture and you kind of had this idea of oh yeah there are other christians out there but we're the real christians <laughs> you know and i've been at that same place man <laughs> yep. yeah yeah everyone's stupid except us <laughs> exactly we're the smart ones exactly <laughs> and then i went away well first we went i went away to college and uh i got involved in a college ministry that had a lot of Christians from a lot of different backgrounds. And that kind of boiled away a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that, you know, I realized, okay, that doesn't fit into the box I was in, like the box that I had before, you know, the, oh, God forbid that anybody should pray for somebody to have healing or, oh, somebody might speak in tongues. They're demonic, you know, and all kinds of silly (laughs) stuff like that, you know. And then I go and I go to college and uh, I'm in this campus ministry at the University of Wyoming and I'm meeting Christians from other churches that, oh boy, I never would have darkened the door of that church because they were like just a hair's breadth away from being a cult, Mm -hmm. you know, from the way I grew up. And then realizing hey, these people are just like me. They love Jesus. They they want to follow him, you know. And and so that boiled away a lot of that kind of... Elite straight, mentality. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then my wife and I, we, uh, we started going overseas on short-term mission trips. And we went to Greece and we went to Thailand and we met Christians in Thailand, for example, and you know they they prayed differently than we did, and and at first it was you know like when praying corporately in in a church in America, you know everybody takes their turn, 
Everybody prays, and then the next person prays, and then you wait patiently until that person's done. And then the next person prays. It is my turn to yeah, pontificate exactly. now, Caleb, and now. I will be heard for my much words. <laughs> and then I'm in Thailand, and they go to pray corporately, the whole church, and everybody just starts praying at the same time out loud, and so it's just this cacophony. Of prayers never going thought out. that God could multitask. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. And then suddenly at the end, one person, you know, says amen and everybody stops. And it was such an eye opener to realize, you know, because I'd never even thought of praying like that. There's and, a lot of different things going on. Yeah. And you have this notion of, oh, well, when we pray as a church, this is the way we have to do it. We have to politely wait in line because God's up there like Santa Claus writing notes down, <laughs> you know, as you pray. And you don't want to, you don't want to overload him because, I mean, he's just not going to be able, and then you go to Thailand and here 50 people are praying all at the same time and you realize, wow. Yeah, but if you're all praying at the same time, Caleb, how is everyone else in the church going to know how smart you are? As you're praying, because there's some fancy words I got to say. Lord, I know that uh, according to Jeremiah chapter seven, you have stated this, but uh, just you know, you can go on for a long time. It's a great opportunity to yeah. demonstrate your skill level and your rank. Well, I guess I guess maybe in Thailand, I don't know. I never, of course, they were speaking Thai, so maybe maybe that was going on. But and maybe over there, maybe you just have to pray a lot louder than the next guy. I don't know, but <laughs> but it seems like it would be way harder because. You know, that's an interesting uh, topic of conversation. We talk about this on the podcast all the time is because, like, you know, I, I'm a scientist guy, right? But I'm also spiritual at the same time. Guys, no secret to guys. I explore all those boundaries trying to figure out what the heck's going on in the universe. I know that Lou and I on the show often talk about it. what are the possible mechanics on what's really going on? How does this actually work? Is this a, a pure spiritual realm deal or what is the spiritual realm? Uh, we talk a little bit about the... You know, the biology of the human brain and how it could potentially interface with the motherboard computer someplace. And we're just trying to perceive all these different possible avenues of what, you know, how, what is God and how does it really work? Do you have any like, do you have any like top secret knowledge are, or information on this? Are you talking specifically this? about prayer in that? Well, yeah. I mean, that's just what kind of jogged my curiosity on the deal. Like, uh, for example, we talked about prayer could, you know, potentially be, it's interesting how the brain is set up, right? Right. So in the center of the human brain is the pineal gland. A lot of cultures call that the third eyeball. Mm -hmm. It's got rods and cones. So it's kind of anatomically an eyeball, mm -hmm. but it can't see outside the body, right? But when dudes are praying or singing on brain scans, that sucker's lighting up. It's emitting light. Right. And so some guys have hypothesized, and there's a lot of crazy people in like hardcore, awesome, fun time cults that look like good time spaceship cults. <laughs> And maybe I should join for a week and see what they're up to. I don't know, dude. I'm just talking. But uh, you know that uh, you know that's emitting electromagnetic radiation in a radio form, kind of talking to God in that way. I like to think that maybe it's more. He's more of a super dimensional, omnipotent type force that's everywhere. And you got any? You know, I, ideas one of the on things I do think is in regards to prayer. We believe God's all knowing, so there's never a moment that God suddenly discovers new information so when you're praying you're not you're not informing god information he already knows what you're going to do 12 exactly. minutes from now exactly Twelve thousand you know? years from now yeah. exactly he knows not only that he knows every possible variation of every choice that every individual makes ad infinitum 
And so there's never any possibility for new information for God. So when you think of it that way, prayer doesn't change God at all. It can't by definition. So the only conclusion that you can do is prayer, prayer changes us. You know, prayer changes us. It so gets that, us into rhythm and steps so we can receive ex- communication. Exactly. It, it puts us on God's page. And I think, you know, when you have that kind of a mindset, then because we spend so much. Well, I always have growing up, you know, most 95, 99 percent of my time praying used to be me talking to God. And that really, I mean, when you think about it, I wouldn't say it's a waste of time because you're, you're sharing your heart with him, but it's, if, if prayer is really getting us onto God's page, maybe prayer should primarily be us asking questions and then shutting up and listening. You know, it's like you said earlier, Caleb, it's about a two way flow of information, that communication back and forth. Exactly. And it's not about like you said, trying to tell him something that he doesn't already know. Yeah. <laughs> it's about trying to discover that within ourselves. Yeah. And I think I've spent so much time in prayer trying to get God onto my page. You know? <laughs> it's like, God, I don't think you realize this yet, but yeah. um, I'm right about this and you really need to do it my way. And here's the reasons why. I'll make you a deal. Yeah. If you just do this one thing, I promise. Exactly. I'll save at least 40 children. <laughs> <laughs> And instead, you know, you start to realize, huh, maybe the most important thing I could do is just ask him for some information. Ask him, I mean, the Bible, what is the Bible? The Bible is simply revelation from God, right? It's him revealing things to us. So maybe the most important thing I could do in prayer is just ask questions and then shut my mouth and listen. Yeah, or even just ask to be used and then be open for communication at any time. Exactly. That's exactly. that's one thing, and I've always had a hard time doing the conscious verbal prayer deal in some respects because, like, in my mind, I'm always thinking, like, the dude already knows exactly what I want and need, and it's hard to explain. It's not like I, I have a problem with that, but for myself personally, it's more of a continued background thought or flow of information that's more of a whisper, but it's not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like a conscious, like, okay, I'm going to sit here and do this and uh, communicate this specific point. It's more of a continuous, almost like there's an uh, invisible force with you at the whole the whole time that's always listening to every thought in your brain, so you don't need to repeat it in his direction. Right. He already knew that thought from the get-go, and he's there the whole time. Like, the, you know, like, okay, now I better tell God about this. Well, I already knew when I was thinking it before that he was right there the whole time. And so really it's just a matter of like asking consciously in some ways to maybe adjust our heart parameters and stuff like that is, you know, what a guy does from once in a while. But there is, I think, a, a value potentially to uh, doing it in a more conscious fashion too because the times where I have done that, and I don't do that a lot, but if it's like some kind of serious deal for me and I'm like curious on what's going on, I might make a conscious like, okay, man, like what do I need to do? Like I don't know what's going on here. Give me some kind of direction. And then it usually is amazing what happens, you know what I mean? If you stop and listen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting topic. And do do you think sometimes too that prayer is like the we turn prayer into like the self-help aisle in the bookstore you know what i mean we are the bulk of our time 
spent in prayer is praying about us and it's praying about mm. what we think we need to fix and what we, you know, and I wonder if, I wonder if the, I'm sure it doesn't, but I wonder if that gets really old for God, you know, <laughs> I wonder if God just would really love for us to just get our, I mean, he went to the cross to pay for our sin and you know, it's paid for. So, uh, why do I spend in such an inordinate amount of time trying to fix something he's already died for? Why can't I just enjoy the fact that it's paid for in faith and spend the bulk of my time focusing on him in prayer, you know, instead of focusing on me and, yeah, and why well, I need to fix this, you enthusiastic know, enthusiastic praise and, and trying to get yeah, other people to or even just asking share. him questions, you know, like when you're a little kid and, you know, I remember having some little kids around and they're always asking, why is the sky blue? Why is it? Why is that? You know, and why can't we be like that with God? Why are you like this? Why did you make cows that way? You know, well, why are trees green? You know, and and certainly some of the things that you learn from science, but there are all kinds of other things that are aspects about God's character that are revealed in His creation, and we don't enjoy that. It's like we, every time we come to God and want to talk to Him, every time we have this giant proposal in our paperwork and order, and we're like, "Okay, God, I'm going to make my case now." Yes, uh, you know, I have done the study myself, so I already know the answer that I'm going to tell you. <laughs> And then you'll just give me the you know power to do it. Yeah. It's like, uh, wait a minute. What about being as, you know, like the small talk stuff? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Enjoying him. I, I really fully believe that the main purpose we were created for in the original creation was to simply enjoy God. Enjoy relationship with God. And Company. We don't. We don't. You know, sometimes we're either terrified of him. Or, you know, we're boring him to death with all the things that we want him to fix that he's already died on the cross to pay for, you know, and instead of just stop, stop, stop with all of that, just focus on him and enjoy him. You know, that's the reason he created you. That's the reason he redeemed you. So do it, you know, stop <laughs> being but, missing out on the, the gold, man. Yeah. And I think that's, again, I think that's because you guys, I know you hammer on this whole religious mindset, but that's where that religious mindset takes you. You can't enjoy God because you're too busy trying to fix you. And that's so empty and it's so pointless. Or too busy trying to posture and present ourselves as sure. uh, higher on the, the chain of command or the hierarchy yeah. in front of the inside of men. And it's interesting when you read Jesus's response to all those different little subtle things. He walked into them outfits, and every time he did actually go into one of them church outfits, usually, especially with the Pharisee guys, that style of guys, he didn't go in, he went in there to maybe make some corrections. Mm -hmm. He's like, when you guys are praying, don't be standing in front of everyone waving your arms around so you can be seen how holy you are. Like, go hide in a closet or something, you know? Right. You don't need to make a show out of it for everybody, you know? It's like not the show about you. Yeah. It's a more subtle deal that's like your father, you know, in heaven. That means like an actual relationship type deal. And so it's just interesting, the perspective that he was trying to straighten out with the Pharisees and all them guys is uh, something that we all struggle with on some level, so we're also guilty of it, but it's just... Uh, I think it all goes back to the original lie in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, you can that we can Well, and that wasn't even really... That was the part of the the temptation that was actually 
the kernel of truth because God created us to bear his image. And Satan knew that. The temptation was that we could bear that image by the knowledge of good and evil, that we could learn the knowledge of good and evil and by our own choices then uh, bear the image of God. And, and that wasn't the way it was originally set up to be. We were set up to bear the image of God because we were created in his image. Mm-hmm. And, and just to let him do that through us. And Satan's whole temptation was, oh, you can take control of this process, Adam. You can take control of it. You can make it happen. You can do it on your own. You don't need God telling you how to bear his image. You can figure it out, and and we repeat the same lie, and, and we wrecked it. Yeah, and we do it over and over again. I I jokingly tell people, you know, Satan's an amazing liar, but he isn't that creative when it comes to the lie, because he it's just <laughs> pretty uniform. We're really stupid. We just keep falling for the same lie over and over and over again. He doesn't even have to create a new one because. We're a bunch of dupes, and we fall for the same one over and over again. That's, like, really true, Caleb. It's (laughs) sad. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's terribly sad. And that's the human condition, though, is trying to overcome our stupidness. Yeah. 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 Really. Self-destruct mode engaged. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to live by the knowledge of good and evil, and we became idiots. Yeah. We became foolish, and it's... Fortunately, God loves the fools, you know, and and he he reaches out to them and and he's gracious to us, even in our foolishness. That's what gives us hope and faith at the end of the day, too, is that we can mess up and we can make those mistakes and still not lose that hope that we can come back and be redeemed. Exactly. Exactly. And boy, you know, the 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 hope, I think, is the hope that faith those are the remedies for that religious spirit. You know, when you have faith, when you have a religious, the religious spirit runs on fear, fear. Everything's fear motivated. Yeah, it is. Fear motivated, shame motivated. Um, when, when you have hope, when you have faith, you, you have hope in a loving God who loves you where you're at. That's a heavy-duty thought, man. You know, First John says that uh, perfect love casts out fear, for fear involves punishment, and the one who's fearing has not yet been perfected in love. And that's that, that verse gets right at the core of religiosity. You know, if you're afraid, you're going to figure try to figure out what the religious rules are so that you can kind of try and dissipate and tamp down that fear. But if you understand the heart of God and you understand his perfect love, that fear dissipates and you don't Yeah, you're no longer cleaving to all that stuff cuz no. you don't need to cuz you are in the hands of the Father, man. Absolutely. And you didn't try to stop being religious. You just stopped being religious because the motivation to be religious went away. Well, You're not afraid like anymore. Maybe religion is people attempting to find God because they ain't found him yet. He's hidden in plain sight, so they're continuously looking for that or sending out random panicking signals like trying to figure it out. When in fact, the whole time they didn't realize he's just like immediately right there if you just reach out your arms and go, Papa, take me. And he's like, yeah. you bet. And he grabs you up and holds you. Oh, what, do you what do you need, man? You know? Yeah. 
Another thing that Jesus said that I thought was really cool is like, these little kids get it perfect. And all you smart guys who are good Pharisees and you learned more from your Pharisee college and you have, you know, you're the, uh, what are those scroll writing guys? Scribes. The scribes, yeah. scroll writing dudes. You know, they were smart. I mean, they were way smarter than we could ever hope to be. Out of all the smart seminary guys, I mean, they dedicated their entire life to duplicating the scriptures and studying and arguing and doing all that stuff stuff they're hardcore but jesus told them he's like you guys don't get it man so you're missing the forest through the trees and the answers right in front of you is that it's love man and a little kid gets that his father loves him it's not a hard concept but then when you start overthinking it you kind of evade you don't you're on a whole different wavelength then you know and so maybe this religious uh, behavior is people scrambling to acquire something they already have but don't know they might have access to that reminds me, I just asked last week in my sermon, at the end of my sermon, I asked folks this question. I said, are you Saul or are you Paul? You know, Saul, they're the same person, Paul, Saul. Saul changed his name to Paul after he came to Christ, but the same person, two totally different mindsets. You know, Saul was uh, Mr. Religion and uh, his religion. Fierce and Oh, and terribly afraid that uh you know christianity was ruining his religion his you know jewish faith and uh he didn't know god if he had known god he would have recognized jesus for who he really was and as a consequence here he is running up to damascus to gather up christians to take them down to jerusalem to kill them you know and then what happens relationship happens he meets he has an oh crap moment on the moment on the road to damascus and meets jesus and realizes oh wait (laughs) this is this is something and then at that point he didn't have to work really hard to stop being religious at that point his whole religiosity was now meaningless it was pointless it just evaporated and he evaporated all in this uh, relationship that at first had to be incredibly terrifying. I mean, think you go blind on a road and, you know, people are having to lead you into town and you don't know if you're going to be blind for the rest of your life. And then God sends along a, a gentleman to restore your sight. And suddenly you realize, wait a second. And from that moment on, he's Paul. And religion has nothing more to do with it at that point. Yeah, it's it's all about that relationship. The way I kind of see it and the way we've talked about it before is like it seems like the law of God and religion and all these different things are like road signs on a road going in a direction to get to a certain destination. And they kind of are there to point it out like, hey, in case you didn't know, over there is where God's at. Right. And it's like defining his characters, defining his righteousness, his operation parameters. But standing on that definition is not the objective. That's not the goal. Once you do get to the town that you're traveling to after following those road signs, you're there, baby. You don't need the roadside no more. You are in the town now. Right. You have arrived home. You are now at the destination. Now, it doesn't mean we go and tear down all the road signs for everyone else necessarily no. because maybe it'll help them out. Everyone has their path where they got to learn different lessons and learn different things. So we leave those road signs in place, but uh, we lovingly maybe guide people to the point like, hey, don't just like 
worship the road sign. That's not the destination yet, man. Like, I know how cool it is, and it's great, but it's pointing over there. Yeah. Let's go over there now. And it's kind of like the same conversation. You know, even you could have that, you could extend that conversation to the Bible. You know, I, mm-hmm. the illustration I use with people is, you know, if the Bible, if you're trying to go down the road and think of the Bible as a map, you know, and, you know, if if you don't know where you're going, a map's pretty important. And so you got to pay attention to the map. But what if, what if at some point the the person who who created the map joins you in the car? He's sitting there in the car. Well, now you're kind of set. Yeah. And actually, the destination just arrived with you at the car too. Yeah, exactly. So you don't not know exactly. what to drive no more. Like, you can go around in circles, and it doesn't oh, matter. And I was driving to the town to meet you, but here you are in you the are. car. Yeah. And then suddenly, you can start enjoying the ride. Yeah. Yeah. You can go, you on can an go on an adventure, adventure like you guys are going on. <laughs> exactly. And you just, he's in the car. And the and it's not that the map isn't important anymore. The map is important. But the the map points to that person. Yeah, the map is not yeah. the actual place. It's just showing you where it's at. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's the timeless battle of uh, positivity versus negativity, light versus mm-hmm. dark. And you, you can try both of them. And at the end of the day, the positive will always outshine the negative. But you just got to give it a chance. And that's one of the things we were talking about religion and people trying to use that as a means to get to an end and maybe they can't see that they can't see the road but once their eyes open up the peripheral stuff just melts away and suddenly it's just crystal clear yeah. and it's uh it's like a moment of awakening an epiphany moment yep. and it's it's a beautiful thing it really is yeah, yeah just like paul his his eyes were you know and it's funny cuz Saul didn't realize Saul was blind a long time before he ever met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You know, the fact that he was involved in killing Stephen and all that showed he was blind already. His just his physical eyes became blind at the road to Damascus. But then when he realized, suddenly his eyes were open. And just like you're saying, it was that epiphany, that light moment when suddenly he realized the nature of of what he was before and who he was now that he had encountered God. And I think you're exactly right there. I think it's it's that that eye-opening moment when we realize, you know, that all of our human effort is just empty, meaningless foolishness, you know, and and if we can just come to a place of trusting him, trusting that relationship, then our eyes open and suddenly what we thought we knew, we realized Shh, we didn't know Squat. Yeah, everyone's looking know. for a nickel, and they're trying to get the treasure chest out their lap so they can go find the nickel. Yeah. It's like, dude, you already got a treasure sitting <laughs> right there. Exactly. You're set. Enjoy like, it. Where, where are you going? What are you doing? Yep. Oh, you know, I really need... No. <laughs> so, it's yeah, it's an interesting conversation, man, and it's, it's always good to kind of bounce it off each other, too, and remind each other about it, because it's easy to get tied up in the peripherals and the trivia of you know religion and i know that a lot of hardcore guys even like myself i love that stuff i think it's so interesting the the history the bible stories the parables all very important things and and life lessons and that's excellent to have at our disposal to kind of learn like you know from other people's mistakes and other people's winning and all that but the destination is not that the destination is 
a relationship with yep. him, right? Yep. Exactly. And then from there, it's easy. It's actually quite easy if he can get to that spot. Because everything else is on autopilot. You stop treating people like crap because we realize, wow, he had so much patience with me. And I'm such a turkey because I know how goofy I am. Uh, that, we, we do too. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a rough last couple hours. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but, you know, as goofy as we are, as much patience as he showed me, you know, my own personal experience, it's like, man, like when you see people who are goofy to us, you can just shine that forgiveness off because you're like, you, wow. How could I possibly be mad at something someone else is doing when I'm doing the same darn thing? So it's just empathy that we gain. It's a whole nother way of thinking about things. And it only is possible when we can reflect what's called like true love. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no fake in that deal neither. And it's easy to tell too. And, And Jesus even said, hey, you'll know them by their fruits, man. Like if the guy's like a joy to be around and loves you and is truly caring about you and stuff. That's a pretty good indicator that maybe they're kind of in the right vicinity. Yeah. But if they're just bitter, like in you know a rough time, then there's maybe a little bit more journey on that path to get to that spot. And sometimes, you know, recently I've been going through some difficult times, and and sometimes in those moments it's hard to love, and it's hard to love because it's in those moments that God's kind of taking away that that fleshly part of you. And uh, teaching you to to trust him in the situation instead of you know being combat mode. Yeah, That's yeah. Fun though. And it's you know it's it's <laughs> uh, it's a learning experience in those in those times. And boy, it's not fun to go through them. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm sure uh, years later Paul would have looked back and said, "Yeah, I'd go through it all over again on the road mm-hmm. to Damascus," but. In the moment that you're blind on the road, it's not fun in those moments. And well, as Christians, we continue to have those kind of Damascus yeah. road moments. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of people probably feel the same way where, you know, they might, they might be in one of those situations themselves. And, and, uh, it's hard in those moments to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you even though, yeah. Even though we don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. But we kind of do know what's going to happen to a degree if you do fall in love with them. Because you know that whatever happens, it's going to be whatever needs to happen. Right. Because you trust. You're like, okay, well, yeah. if it's my time to check out of here, I guess that'll be glorious. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm just, what I'm along for the ride, man. You know, it's a interesting journey, man. And I think that so much of life's challenges, and we talked about this before too, are... Like the the worst stuff that happens to us and our worst failures and our worst experiences and the times we trip over our feet the worst are the most valuable solid gold moments we've ever had because they're what told us how the world works. And uh, they're such valuable learning opportunities. We know so much like all the stuff I struggled with and tripped over. I know for darn sure that that's not, you know, not the path now. Mm -hmm. And so I can be sure that this other place is better and it gives us perspective and it's just all such value. It builds character. It builds perspective. You know, it's like when you do have a good moment and you had a really crappy time before that, you can actually appreciate it, right? (laughs) Or when these treasures do come, you'll recognize them because you have something to reference against it. And so the more we stumble around in life and go through all these tribulations and trials, the more we're blessed. And it, it didn't make sense before, like, 
uh, Jesus said a couple times and some of these other guys said like, hey, we need to like rejoice in our tribulations. And I'm like, oh, that means like just hardcore stoic, like, ah, you know, like I'm rejoicing, like just even though it sucks, right? But I think I'm starting to get it more that it actually is an incredibly joyful thing to go through some of those experiences because it's valuable. It's it's uh, an education that you would never get in a book, really, or you'd get from someone telling you about it. Like people can tell you all day long stuff not to do or stuff that wouldn't work or the consequences of a certain thing. But when we struggle through it or have, you know, had the these when we traverse that terrain ourselves, and I'm not saying we should go and seek out to do that, but just life will have enough of that. We gain a lot of experience, man, and potential stature. Not necessarily stature, but it could be if we have that connection with him and he uses that as a tool then. He's like, okay, well, you've seen the enemy territory over here pretty darn good. So now you're going to be an officer over here and you're going to work on some like like uh, recon type stuff for me. And when these guys sneak by, you're going to ambush them and get them over on our side, you know? <laughs> and so it's like a big operation that's, uh, he can use any of that stuff for good, man. It's all about the jujitsu. It's all about <laughs> changing that negative momentum instantly into positive momentum the second we allow him to guide our hand. And that's the next step, isn't it, guys? After you realize yourself and you figure out where you're supposed to be and you accept your place in the world, then you can start to try to help other people. And yeah. That, and that's why you do what you do, isn't it, Caleb? Absolutely. You know, and and the the thing of it is that that all flows back from that relation you get that relational connection to him and it's not that you even have to do it he just does it through you and i've been in it situations just oozes yeah, and i've been in natural. situations where i'm called to go to somebody's house for say a crisis counseling situation and i know like before i even leave the house and get my car to drive over I know that this situation is completely beyond my ability, you know. Fubar. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I I can't find my butt with both hands on this situation, you know. And as I'm driving over there, I'm just praying, you know, God, if you don't show up, this is going to be a disaster, you know. And <laughs> I tell people, you know, I'll get out of the car, and as I'm walking up to the house, I'm praying, God, my eyes, your eyes, my mouth, your mouth my heart, your heart, my mind, your mind, and just kind of that idea of just turning it all over to him and saying, look, you got to show up and you got to do this. I got nothing. It's all yeah, on you, man. Exactly. Tag team. Yeah, exactly. you're, yeah, this I'm is out. Yours. You're in. You know, <laughs> I'll take the easy stuff. You take this one. And it's amazing in those situations how many times I've been in those situations. And honestly, guys, I sometimes I feel like I'm a third-party spectator and I'm listening to me say things, oh, and I'm yeah. going, "Wow, that's re that's really good. <laughs> we need to write that down, you know." And it's like, well, I didn't think of that, you know. Isn't that something and that's cool? How yeah, that works, yeah, and you feel you you get that sense of of being one with God, and that gets back to John 17, where Jesus is praying that they would be one with me, just as I am with you, Father. And it's in those moments when you feel that 
that unity with with Jesus that he does show up and he does speak through you and he does use you and he does that with other people and it's in that moment that you feel more human than any other moment in your life mm-hmm. and it's so exciting and it's it's you're actually being used for your real purpose man yeah and you're out <laughs> you're out of the way <laughs> you know you're you've stepped it's back way more and, smooth of an operation that way oh, too isn't it man yeah yeah I've made it royal disaster when i'm the one that shows up it's like <laughs> you poor people you got the you got the team z you know you didn't even get team b you got team z obi-wan so. kenobi was right use the force luke right <laughs> yeah. there you go your mm-hmm. eyes will deceive you just let the force flow through you <laughs> i am your father well i'll tell you what uh, caleb i've met quite a few and hung out with a few different religious guys over the course of my life and Mm -hmm. most of them have had an agenda and like left a bad taste in my mouth hanging out with you today sir it's a totally different experience man thanks man i appreciate it really is and the the positivity that you preach Mm -hmm. you act it and it just it flows through you, sir. And thanks, man. Just keep doing what you're doing, Caleb, because you're making the world a better place. I appreciate that. Well, he's making the world a better place. Like I said, if if I can just keep myself out of the way and let him show up, that's <laughs> don't worry. I'll get in the way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll let Rex get in there. <laughs> I'll be one of them deals that uh, adds to your stature through trial and tribulation. <laughs> you want to gain some experience points? <laughs> Hang on with me for a few hours. Man. Oh dear. Like a bull in a china shop. Oh, man. Uh, we all do it. Yeah. But that's part of the process. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, good medicine, man. Good medicine to be able to hang out with some brothers and talk about the reality. And uh, it's nice that a guy can have a, a place where normal dudes can feel safe. to go in there and chill, hang out, maybe share some stuff, and eventually confide in, in a brother or, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a good it's a good deal, man. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I sure do. Well, we appreciate you having us up here, sir. And uh, the hospitality has been amazing. The just everything, the whole experience up here. We'll be yeah, back. we fed you guys some steak. <laughs> you, these guys are smiling ear to ear. They <laughs> they ate some steak. Tonight. Smoked? What did you smoke it with? Uh, we smoked it on a grill with some uh, uh, hickory, pecan, and mesquite. Some ribeyes. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty tasty. Good. Yeah, you ready for some sleep before we have to hit the road again tomorrow, Rex? Yeah, man, we should. We're we're on a grand adventure, and uh, Mr. McCoy and myself are traversing the nation, and we're gonna see where the winds take us, man. Eventually, we'll get down to our committed goals, but we'll we'll see where we go, man. Yes, sir. Any final thoughts today, Caleb? Have a safe trip, guys. I'm glad you uh, made our little hamlet here in uh, Western Montana. Uh, stop on your grand adventure and i hope you guys will stop by again this has been a lot of fun rock and roll man we'll be back all right adios thanks so much for having us caleb and the rest of the town of deer lodge montana come visit them at the elk ridge mountain brewing company and we will continue the rest of our rock and roll adventure after a quick break folks stick around 